Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. Uh, this episode is a super de duper special episode because it's brought to you by the good people at Adobe. Adobe! Like, <laughs> I wouldn't look. The, I am, this is a collaboration that is paid, right? So, you know, I'm, I am, uh, I'm inclined to <laughs> talk nicely about Adobe, but in all honesty, I wouldn't be here without Adobe. My whole friggin' career is based on using Photoshop and Illustrator uh, all the way back from high school and all the way into the artwork that I got paid to make yesterday in my work. And so it's kind of a, it's a privilege, honestly, to collaborate with Adobe, um, the, the people that make it possible for me to be a pro creative. Um, so I'm thrilled to work with them. And they brought me out to the 99U conference. Um, that's one of their conferences that they have in New York every year. And this year, they were focusing on the idea of challenging everything, which I think is very appropriate for this season of humanity that we find ourselves in. Um, <laughs> I had a super great time. I was mainly hanging out with uh, some of the other people that they brought in. We, we, I hung out with Tad Carpenter a lot. Me and uh, Tad have become good buddies over the years. Uh, I got to hang out with Robin Klontz from the YouTube star, the artistic YouTube star. I had a bunch of uh, fun and deep conversations <laughs> with her uh, about all sorts of crazy stuff. And got to hang out with my friend Lauren Hom, who has also been a guest on the podcast. Aw Sam from Instagram and uh, all kinds of uh, new, familiar, friendly I don't know if they're familiar and new at the same time, but they're friendly faces, um, attendees of the 99U conference, and got to listen to all kinds of super fantastic talks. People like Tina Roth Eisenberg, someone who I wanted to see speak for ages. Got to um, hear from all kinds of people. We're going to talk about that in this episode, but that's just the heads up of where we're going. I felt like, uh, you know, every time I'm at a conference, I feel like I... Um, I go through a whole circus of emotions, you know, with all that intense social time and, uh, and learning and reflection. And I feel like it's, it's always kind of a retreat for me. And so this conference was uh, that uh, and more. And I went through all kinds of personal reflection and development. And I feel like I came away with some pretty giant takeaways for my personal life as well as my creative career and I'm really excited to kind of try to articulate some of these um, you know cool tips and tricks but also some deeper uh, takeaways that uh, are not going to be extremely easy to articulate so much so that it's going to take about 45 minutes to do so so (laughs) let's do it let's get started So the theme for the 99U conference this year was challenge everything. 
and I feel like they picked a really good one, a really appropriate topic for the place that we find ourselves in this day and age, this season of humanity that we are living through right now. And why is that? Because I feel like things feel broken. Like everything feels broken. And what do you do when something breaks? You take it apart. And so we see deconstruction in every area of society. We're deconstructing government. We're deconstructing religion. We're deconstructing business. We're deconstructing education. We feel this deep sense of brokenness and we say, what are we going to do? We're going to take everything apart and get to the heart of what these things are and see if we can put things back together in such a way that uh, helps us find some progress. And uh, so I loved this theme. I think it's really appropriate. And it kind of reminds me of early home ownership. <laughs> in, in my early 20s, we had a home. And when you get a home, you find out something really scary that when something breaks, there is no landlord to call. You are the landlord. It's your responsibility. And I am not naturally a fix-it guy. When I take apart things that are broken, they usually break further. And every time I was doing DIY, especially in these early days, I kind of thought that I'm at risk of doing some kind of irreversible damage that means that the whole house is broken in such a way that the only thing we could do is just set it on fire and start over again. And I was always <laughs> so nervous every time I was uh, trying to fix something. And at some point, I had to change the electric outlets in my house. Now, this sounds like the start of a very dark <laughs> mishap. <laughs> I didn't end up in the hospital. It didn't go that bad, but it did go pretty bad. It, I ended up uh, knocking out the power in like a third of my house and I had this sense that I had somehow wrecked the electrics in my house in some kind of irreversible way. And so when they, when 99U, when Adobe asked me to uh, do an episode about the conference, they passed me the topic of challenging leadership because they broke down the conference into four categories, uh, breaking down this idea of challenging everything and they gave me challenge leadership. And I'll be honest with you, when I got that topic, I was initially not very jazzed. And I think the reason why is because leadership felt like my irreversibly broken electric system in my house. Like leadership seemed like something that was so broken in our society, so broken in our creative industry that it was really unfixable. You know, I feel like so much of the problem, uh, so much of the problems that we face are about division, being, you know, divisive things like separating ourselves. And to me, leadership felt inherently like this idea of us versus them. Like those people are in charge because they're better than us. And if I try to be a leader, I'm saying I'm better than you and I'm separate to you. And that seemed to be more of the problem. And I had a lot of profound uh, experiences 
deconstructing this idea of leadership while I was at the conference and then also while I was making this episode and kind of reflecting through what I experienced at the conference. And I ended up in this conclusion that says that leadership is actually the opposite of separation. It's that actually the opposite of division. And I'm going to take you on a journey to show you how I landed there and, and why I'm actually now super excited to own my place as a leader and encourage you guys to do the same. So this show is going to be in three parts and we're going to end in that place. Uh, it's kind of Shakespearean in that way. I'm telling you the end before we get started, um, but, but now we actually have to travel there. We're going to start really big picture in part one, move to the middle medium picture in part two, and then get really uh, in the nitty gritty personal in part three. So we're going to start big picture and work our way down to personal picture. Let's do it. So this is the journey that we're on. Buckle up. We're going to start by challenging the man and we're going to work our way down from there to challenging the man in the mirror. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's what this is all about. Let's get it moving with starting with challenging the man. And uh, Todd Yellen, who is the VP of product at Netflix, did a great job of articulating what it means to be somebody who challenges the man. It means being an iconoclast. What's an iconoclast? It means being someone who will, who will attack cherished beliefs within a system. And when it comes to being a creative that challenges leadership, you might be somebody who does not have a direct report, who doesn't have well-defined leaders. But it doesn't mean that there aren't systems that need to be attacked. I believe that one of the core principles of being a creative person is standing out and speaking out and being different. I always say, what do you call an artist that's afraid to stand out, that doesn't want to stand out? I don't know, but you don't call them an artist. Like that's fundamentally what it means to be creative is to be different. And so the first thing I want to do is encourage you to think about what are the cherished beliefs within your industry, within your market, within your niche that you're adhering to blindly that are hurting your ability to thrive? I think about this all the time because with the podcast and with my creative work, I feel like I'm often having to stick out, say things that maybe seem unpopular, say things that get me attention. I've had attention from leaders in my industry that I really didn't want, you know, challenging me on my ideas when I say something that isn't a widely accepted idea around creativity. You know, for instance, two that come to the top of my head are one that I often uh, talk about how your creative work isn't all about you that you should be thinking about the value of your creative work to other people if you want to be a thriving business. And that doesn't always go over well because there are cherished beliefs 
beliefs, there are mythologies around creativity that say, uh, you know, you should be in it all for yourself, that it should be only your vision. It should be only just what you feel like making that day. Like that's the only way to make authentic creative work. And a lot of the work I do on Creative Pep Talk challenges that idea, that cherished belief. And I feel like that's my job um, as a creative. And another one is that I believe that money and art can actually uh, coexist in a space and actually you know, I believe that money can actually be a catalyst for great art and that there can be a system of breadcrumbs in a, in a relationship between an audience and a creator that involves money that actually improves your art rather than negates it. It's kind of the opposite idea of selling out. There's a lot of gray area there and we don't have time to go into every part of that. But those are two examples of ways that I stand out from the crowd. I challenge cherished beliefs within my industry market and niche. And so the first thing I want to do is encourage you to think about what are the beliefs that you hold to that you uh, that you don't challenge that are holding you back. So I felt like Audrey Liu who is the director of product design at Lyft, did an excellent job of showing us, of modeling how to challenge these cherished beliefs. She essentially did a talk that said, our motivation for our work should not primarily come from perks, but it should come from the works themselves. Hi, I'm Audrey and I'm a director of design at Lyft for the driver experience and the growth experience. I grew up as the child of two immigrant Chinese parents, and so we were always taught, like, if you work really hard, then um, you would contribute great value to the world, and if you didn't do something really well, then it's not worth doing, right? right? And yeah. if that that thing that you did really well didn't positively impact the world, then it also wasn't worth doing. So that yeah. was just something that was really deeply ingrained in me from a really early age. My father was politically active, like, so, the stakes are pretty high all the time when we were little. <laughs> so Thumbtack is a company that helps entrepreneurs make a living doing what they love to do. Yeah. So if you're a house painter or a chef or a contractor, you can sign up as a professional and then that's how customers find you. So I worked there leading the design team um, for about two and a half years. And I think like when you feel like somebody's individual livelihood is dependent on your design work it just yeah. like creates the sense of accountability day to day right yeah. so and then my responsibility is the lead of the design team was to help the designers remember yeah. that sense of accountability. So whether it was bringing in like some of our um, some of our pros into our space or going to see them in their homes and in their work environments, it really just helped to connect them directly to the people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's twofold, right? Like, right. I think you can have perks as long as you remember what the real purpose of your work is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, like, the the bigger point that I'm trying to make is, like, just remember why you're there. Like, yes. you're not there to yeah. get a massage and you're not there for the kombucha, right? Yeah. But you are there to really impact somebody's life. Yeah. And as soon as you lose sight of that, then, then I think it's actually quite 
it, it's like irresponsible, yeah. right? Yeah. If you lose sight of, of what your impact or your work, how it's shaping the world and like what world are we creating? made this point in the talk about how fulfilling work is really hard, right? Yeah. And so I think it's, you have to remind yourself like why you're really there to do that work, which is your rallying cry. So yeah. at, um, at Lyft, it's, you know, to help our drivers feel more respected, to help them pursue a passion, to, to work on their own terms. And then, and then it's also useful to remember like that we also want to impact public policy and change city infrastructure and remove yeah. cars from the road, right? And the rallying cry is kind of what gets you through the really hard times, or it's what, it's the accountability, mm -hmm. right, that we all hold ourselves to. So at Lyft, I remember taking a Lyft before I decided to join, and the driver was Chinese. Mm -hmm. And he didn't speak English very well, so I got in the car, and then the first thing he asked me was like, are you Chinese? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And so he just starts like talking to me like he hasn't talked to anyone in, yeah. you know, in a really long time. And yeah. he's speaking to me in Mandarin and I can understand and I can respond. And, and he was just telling me about how um, this was the only job he could do. Uh, that he couldn't go work at a Starbucks because he couldn't really speak English, right? And and there were a lot of things that were just not on the table for him, and that Lyft actually afforded him the opportunity to make a living, to send money back home, and to survive, like yeah. in in the states. Which, so he's somebody who I who I constantly go back to, and his yeah. attitude was just so positive, and he was full of gratitude. And then at Thumbtack, before I joined Thumbtack, I hired a pro to come give me a massage. Yeah. And I specified, like, okay, I want, like, a female masseuse or whatever. And, um, and then uh, the pro who wrote me back said, would you be okay um, with somebody who doesn't identify as female or male? And I'm yeah. like, sure, cool, yeah. come over. So um, they came over. And I was asking them, like, you know, I'm thinking about joining Thumbtack, and I just wanted to know what your take was as one of the people who uses it. And mm. he said, or they said that um, they recently moved from L.A. And because of the way that they identify, um, they couldn't get hired at a traditional mm. spa or, you know, that kind of thing. And they had, like, tattoos all over and um, blue hair, so they didn't feel like they could really be themselves yeah. and get work. And so Thumbtack actually allowed them to work on their own terms. I think the most profound application of Audrey's challenge is when we apply it to ourselves. Can we be motivated by the work itself instead of the perks that we get from doing the work? Is it possible to be not motivated by what we take from doing the work, but what we give when we're doing the work, the meaning that we sense from the purpose in our work? And how do we do this? I think we do this by doing what Audrey suggested, finding our rally cry. And I want to encourage you to think deeply about the purpose of your creative work. And I just want to I just want to pause for a minute and encourage you that philosophers throughout human history have remarked on the 
world-changing ability of creativity and art. And I feel like the society that we find ourselves in today wants to minimize creativity, sees creativity as merely, at best, the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake that is society. Like creativity is a nice to have, art is a nice to have instead of a fundamental uh, part of being a human. And so I think that even just attempting to find this deeper principle in our work, this rally cry, this purpose of what we do, even just attempting to see creative work as inherently meaningful is a subversive idea that challenges the common norms of our society. And so I encourage you not to just accept the, this established idea that creativity is uh, kind of a meaningless pursuit or it's a frivolous pursuit in our, in, in our journey as humans, but to see it as at the core of what it means to be human and take your place in that. And I think just doing that alone is a subversive, challenging idea to the current leadership. So next up, we move from challenging established leadership to challenging the definition of leadership, aka, can we rethink what it means to be a leader? I was inspired by T. Uglo's talk. She is a creative director at Google's Creative Lab in Sydney. Uh, when she spoke about how creatives have to be a different type of leader, and it gave me a new definition of what it means to be a leader. Uh, she said that it's the job of the creative leader to admit that we don't know what we're doing or where we're going. And that is the point of any creative endeavor. Oh, it's really about this thing about goals. Like I get really frustrated by being given briefs which have a very specific output because what, what you're really asking someone to do is, is um, not illustrate, but like you're asking them to make something. Right. Like here is the blueprint for what we would like you to make, and we would like you to make. Yeah, this is not the same thing. Like, and if it's not a holistic kind of process, if there's not, um, if anyone in, uh, like, I I try and empower everyone all the way down my team to to have to be inputting because actually you just end up in. It's not like it's a bad idea. It's like that's how houses are built. Someone draws it, and then you know we don't want them making it up on the spot. That's not what I'm saying yeah. it's just that um, if you have goals then people will make all sorts of compromises to make sure you reach your goal yeah, right. and yes. if you have objectives then people will actually explore the, the, your objective like you've thought that this you, you've come up with one thing that you think is the thing that you want but, but it's not but what you've actually got is a, is a result that you want yeah. and you think that's the best thing to achieve that result like, that's not the right way to start a creative process yes. the best way to start a creative process is to understand that, that you are um, you're heading in a direction yes exactly and, and that this will you may not end up with the thing that you thought was the best thing and in fact we very rarely do I love this idea. I love this definition of a leader and it is completely unorthodox, flipped on its head, and it 
jazzes me out of my socks. And it's this idea. A leader isn't someone who says, I know where to go. A leader is someone who says, I will lead you into the unknown, into what I don't know, to what we don't know. That is a seismic shift. So I'm so deeply inspired by this new definition of creative leadership that I want to take a moment and put it in action right now on this episode. This is probably, this is the stinger of this episode. If you don't get anything out of this episode besides this, then that's all right. Pay attention to this because this is a weird thing for me to be doing, but it's something that I feel deeply convicted to share with you. All right, so every week I make a new episode of the podcast and share what I think I know about creative careers, but today I wanna share what I don't know. I wanna be the type of leader that doesn't just say, I know where to go, but also a leader that says, Here's what I don't know. Here's the unknown for me as I'm experiencing it right now. Here is where I'm failing today. I don't want to be the type of leader that only tells you about my failures years after I have them, after I'm able to put a spin on it, after I'm able to say, here's what I learned from that failure now that I have my life completely sorted out. Because everybody knows that life is a lot messier than that. And I want to be the type of leader that shares my mess as it's happening because I think there's some important value that we can take away. So I want to embrace this kind of uh, unknown leadership and tell you how I'm failing right now. And here it is. I have to quit the 100-day project. You might have noticed that. I've been a lot quieter uh, recently on Instagram and stuff like that. So if you don't know, we were doing a 100-day project as a creative pep talk community. I led you into doing this 100-day project um, and I was doing my own 100-day Instagram project, but unfortunately, I had to call it quits. And uh, honestly, I'm super embarrassed by this. I really have a sense that the stakes were pretty high. Like I I actually led thousands of people into doing this 100-day project and I don't take it lightly to give up. In fact, I don't know if I've ever give up on a personal project. But uh, here's what happened. Okay, so I felt like I was juggling too many things. I also have other personal projects. You know, the podcast is kind of a personal project alongside some other stuff that we're, be, we're doing right now. Um, and I felt like with this 100-day project that I had to, I kept getting into the situation where I had to choose my family or doing the project. And I want to share with you the straw that broke the camel's back. I was traveling and I'm not, look, I'm ashamed of this and I don't have a spin on it. I don't have a thing where I say, and here's how it all worked out for the good. I'm just going to sit with you in the uncomfortable unknown for a second. And I hope that you will give me some grace and understanding as I make myself vulnerable in this way. All right. So I've been traveling. 
um, more. You know, I work from home, so I still see my kids a lot. I, I'm guessing I see my kids more than the average working father um, from working at home, and I pick them up from school and help them go to school, and do. I'm there for nights and weekends and all that jazz. But I've been doing a little bit more traveling. And uh, there was this moment where I found myself in the hotel room and I realized that I had an hour to spare before my work engagement. And my first thought was, oh, I'm so ashamed of this. (laughs) Uh, My first thought was, I should FaceTime my three-year-old because I know she really wanted to talk to me that morning. Um, But then I realized that I also, this was also gonna be the only time in the day that I would have to do my 100-day project and with great disgust, I'm going to tell you that in that moment, I chose not to FaceTime my three-year-old, but to do my 100-day project out of, out of duty to the project. And I was so disgusted all day with my choice to choose the project instead of my kid that I decided that day that it was over, that I was done even though I would, I knew that I would have to publicly come on and tell you guys that I wasn't doing it anymore. So there it is. That's my unknown. I don't have any massive takeaway to share. I haven't figured it out. I just failed. I couldn't do the project. I don't have a spin on it. I just want to sit in this vulnerable place with you publicly. And uh, I guess my only th- hope by sharing this failure is that uh, as I'm sharing it as it's happening before it's uh, spend into a tool for future success or, or, you know, I'm sure years from now I'll be like back in 2018, I had a big failure where I quit a project that I was leading thousands of people in. Uh, <laughs> and here's what I learned. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to learn, but what I can say is that I hope that by sharing my unknown, by sharing my failure as it's happening, um, before I have any answers, that you will just feel some solidarity in your own failures, that you will feel some encouragement in the ways that you don't have things figured out, in the ways that you still have mess within your journey. And I hope it gives you a sigh of relief that says, Dr. Pizza's got as much crap going on as you do. And uh, that's all I got. And I just want to say, I hope that you don't use it as an excuse to quit your project if it's really working for you. Um, And I hope that I don't become an obstacle or stumbling block in that way. And uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry to let you down. But I hope that it encourages you in your own mess. And I hope that this allows me to be a different kind of leader. Okay, part three. It's time for part three. We challenged established leadership. We took it a step further. We challenged the very definition of leadership. Now, as is customary on the Creative Pep Talk podcast, let's take it one step too far into the realm of the strange and the weird and challenge the leadership in our own minds, the ego, the thing that thinks it's in charge of us. 
What the heck do I mean by that? All right, I'm gonna explain how I got to this idea of challenging our internal leadership by telling you about the breakout session I did at 99U. So I did a workshop with Red Antler. Uh, they're a branding agency. They've worked with brands like Google and Casper and Boxed. And uh, I had a super great time in this uh, breakout session. I feel like I learned a lot, a bunch of cool takeaways. You know, we talked about like how they go about naming a company, which was really interesting, and how they get to the bottom of the juicy ideas that surround a company. You know, they talk about, you know, what's the, what, not just the, the problem that this business is solving, but what's the juicy problem? Like what's the idea behind this company that really is something new and fresh and exciting? And I love that. You know, that's my kind of jam if you listen to this podcast. Uh, but the thing that struck me the most was this thing that they said. They said that all businesses have to solve a problem. And maybe you already knew that, but here's where I feel like it gets challenging to us creative types. All creative businesses have to solve a problem. If you want to make creative work for a living, you are not exempt from this notion that all businesses have to solve a problem and I'm obsessed with this idea that in order to create a consistently thriving creative career you can't just make whatever you feel like making you can't let your ego steal the show and just say I feel like making this work today you can't just let your creative output be dictated by the problems that your ego has you know entertaining yourself or making whatever you feel like making to express yourself you can't let your work be all about your ego letting you uh your your internal mechanism decide what you're going to make because Ultimately, if you want a creative career that succeeds in the long haul, you have to be valuable to other people. You have to be solving a problem with your creativity for other people, not just your own problems, not serving your own ego. But solving a problem with your creativity is kind of an abstract idea, right? Like it's easier said than done. Like it's difficult to put our hands around what, what's the problem that we're solving with our creativity? And I think it's a really big question. Like um, maybe, you're create, maybe you're with me. Maybe you think, okay, my creativity uh, in order to be a thriving business needs to solve people's problems, but how do we do this? And while I was in New York, I feel like I found some intriguing answers to this question while I was visiting the offices at BuzzFeed. So... Illustrator and designer Tad Carpenter and I spent a bunch of time in New York while we were at the conference, palling around, goofing around, having a good old time. And uh, Tad has an ex-employee that works at BuzzFeed, and I got to tag along with Tad, tag along with Tad, that kind of has a nice ring to it, uh, and go ch check out the BuzzFeed HQ. And while I was there, we got talking with this ex-employee. Uh, her name's Devin McGowan. She is a uh, associate brand designer at BuzzFeed. And uh, 
she was telling me about this idea of cultural cartography. That's what BuzzFeed calls uh, how their creative content solves problems for their users and how that is essential for it sticking, for it uh, succeeding as creative content. So what do you do at BuzzFeed? My title is I'm associate brand designer, so I work on the internal brand team. So we work on all the different properties that BuzzFeed has and then kind of the random stuff that comes in. For those that don't know, what are these properties? Uh, you know, Tasty, Cooking Food Videos, wow. Nifty, uh, Goodful, now there's Playful for kids, that's a new one. What's that one? It's like for parents. Okay. I know Tasty's big because my Aunt Debbie shares the posts. Oh, yes. So Aunt Debbie's on it, it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of the content, especially on the editorial side, what, what I've gleaned is about our cultural cartography, is what we call the way that we like frame the work that we do. Um, so we think about the jobs that it can do for people, mainly around sharing and making content that people uh, feel connected to and want to share it with somebody else. So our, I feel like our main one is humor. We try to do like funny, funny videos that people yeah. want to share with their friends. Um, and then things that are super relatable, like This Is So Me, yeah. is like one of the big, I can't say tenets, but like one of the things that we really want pe people to feel. And so someone else who's, like we have cultural cartography experts in the building, I'm not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but you're the person I know, and you work here. So. <laughs> so you can go check out the TED Talk what makes something go viral? It's a TED NYC talk um, from a BuzzFeed employee. I'll have the link in the show notes. But they talk about uh, this idea that their content uh, needs to do a job for their audience. It needs to solve a problem for their audience. And they call this cultural cartography. And they say there's different levels. There's humor. Just making them laugh, like people need to laugh. That's a problem that needs to be solved. They say, this is me. Like the media that helps them understand or express their identity. That's something that creative people can do. Connection with another person. You know, creating work that allows you to bond, like you sharing something on someone's Facebook page because you're like, this is us, this is our relationship, or this is something that we love together. They say that uh, another thing it can do is help them. It helps, you know, content or art that helps them explain their point of view or win an argument uh, or, you know, how many times have you shared something like that. Another layer, the last layer, they say it makes them feel, makes them feel something, restores their faith in humanity, gives them some kind of catharsis. These are all the different things that your creativity can do, not just for you, but for other people. And that's how you kind of challenge the leadership in your mind, the ego. And uh, I also asked Devin what, what of these things she would take beyond her work at BuzzFeed. And uh, we got into that. And also my, my good buddy Tad chimed in as well with some uh, poignant thoughts. I think especially from like coming right out of design school like you want to create the most beautiful like 
thing and put it on a shelf in a museum and leave it there forever and it never gets touched. And then some of this is just the experience of like working with other people when you get yeah. out of school and having a full-time job and you're like, oh, this needs to appeal to everyone. This is not for other designers. This is not for like some really smaller community. You need to create yes. something that everyone, majority of people, are going to like and feel like they can be drawn to. And you're like, this is not my personal taste, but you have to do it anyways. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that with BuzzFeed is it's mass audience, mass, mass, mass. Like yeah. so millions and millions of people see this stuff every day, which is kind of crazy when it's you think challenge. about like the stuff that you do at millions of people seeing every day. But I feel like that really changed my perspective of like, you know, it's not just people just like you, other designers and who are going to see this. It's like millions of people worldwide and I yeah I think about this all the time as an illustrator because I'm such an illustration nerd mm -hmm. and I'm like geeking out about like the nuances of techniques and things that I see other people doing and it's 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 easy to forget that you can't make a living uh, off other illustration fans yeah. like you have to appeal yeah. <laughs> to other people like they're not the people that have the money to pay you um, and so I do think that that's like a interesting I think that's a thing that is an important thing to kind of grasp out of school um, because you're you, while you're in school, I feel like everything you're focused on is impressing your yeah, yeah fellow students or like people in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you have anything to add to that, Ted? No. Felt like you had a thought. No, I don't. You have look like thought. you had a thought. I don't have any thoughts <laughs> um, at all. I didn't know this that you were actually even having a conversation. But, yeah, you were. Why were you? Why are you standing like, with your face in the corner? That's weird. <laughs> but I think it's hard for a lot of students. You're absolutely right because I think as a design educator i think you're, you're forcing people to design things well yeah. you know but there's um i mean you talked about it a second ago your aunt shares debbie. buzzfeed yeah. debbie shares <laughs> buzzfeed articles which is in the end what buzz someone like buzzfeed wants is yeah. is, is more eyeballs on their product yeah um, i've always lived by the the adage that you know if you um you design for the masses you will eat with the classes but if you design mm -hmm. for the classes you're gonna eat with the masses you know what I mean yeah and it's kind of that adage you know it's like you you have to design for a, a larger appeal like that's kind of the goal um, yeah. for a lot of things because the art world's small yes. right it's <laughs> like design that actually works has a value has like yeah isn't just yeah for what were you gonna say yeah just something that works works for more than the person sitting right next to you beginning of this episode I told you that this process of deconstructing leadership aka challenging leadership completely changed my mind about how I see leadership I told you that before this process I believe that leadership was just another divisive way to separate people you know this this feeling of oh they're the leaders so they're different than us they're better than us or if I try to be a leader then I'm somehow saying I'm better than you and I know more than you and I'm different to you but here's why I no longer believe that leadership is about separation and why I believe that it's about our connection and our oneness with each other because leadership is saying, I can't go on without you. If I want to move forward, we have to move together. And it, I came up with this idea from moving from part one to part two to part three, and, and it comes from where we ended in part three, where we concluded that I can't solve my problems without solving yours. 
If I want to make a living making creative work, I have to. If that's the problem that I have to solve, figuring out how to make a living making creative work, I have to do it. I have to solve it by solving your problems in my work, just like BuzzFeed solves our problems. I need to delve into what you need to get what I need. And in this way, we are inextricably connected. In this way, I have to own my place in creative leadership and acknowledge that I can't get what I want if I don't help you do the same. So philosopher, this is where we get, we're going to go, that was, we were in the deep end. We're going to go straight down into the deep, dark abyss of weirdness that is creative pep talk by taking a second to listen to what the philosopher Alan Watts had to say about this idea of our inextricable oneness and connection and how that changes our ideas of leadership. Alan Watts says, you are everything that you need to exist, which I think you will agree with, meaning you are your head, you're your body, you're your mind, your heart, your stomach. You, everything that you need is essentially part of you. If you uh, can't exist without its existence, then you, if you would not exist without these things, then they are part of you. Well, guess what? You need the sun's energy to exist. So maybe in a weird way, the sun is part of you. You need the nutrients of the earth and plants and animals to exist. And so in another way, you're kind of them. And you know what? We're social animals, an individual that's cut off from society and cut off from human interaction too long will lose their minds. Like that's a fact. They will lose themselves without the selves of others. And so in a really weird way, maybe we are each other. The Frankfurt School of Thought has this really scary, interesting idea that says modern man has trapped himself or herself in the prisons of their own making. That we've cut ourselves off from what we truly need, which is human interaction. We've trapped ourselves in the boxes that we created. The box of our house, the box of our cars, the boxes on our walls, aka our TVs, the boxes in our hands, aka our phones. These boxes isolate ourselves from each other. And so in this season of tearing down things, tearing down these boxes, tearing down these man-made structures like government, religion, work, relationships, education, and creativity, and leadership, I feel like we have this sense that it's all completely broken. And as we're tearing down all these structures to try to figure out what's broken, I keep hearing the same conclusion in every debate, every podcast, every TV show that I turn into. The whole thing's not broken. We've just broken our connection to each other. We have forgot that we are one. And in doing so, we have neglected true leadership. True leadership that says, I can't progress if you don't. That it doesn't all work if I just say, I'll just be left to my devices doing my own thing. You go do your own thing and we'll be totally fine. But we found out that that isn't true. It's not working. I felt the same way when I was working on the electrics in my home. You remember when I talked about that at the beginning of this episode? I said, I tried to change the outlets in my house 
and uh, it, it went really bad. I ended up uh, taking out electricity in like a third of my house, and I felt like the whole dang house was broken. I was just gonna have to throw away the whole house and just give up completely. And then I remembered this thing that my dad taught me when we were putting together uh, the Christmas tree one year. And I had plugged in the lights and I found this whole strand of lights was broken, the whole thing was broken. So I was gonna throw them out and he was like, you guessed it, don't do that. Uh, the whole string of lights isn't broken. The whole uh, system isn't trash. There's just a broken connection because these lights, they work on a circuit. They work in relationship to each other. They only work when they're connected. And so we started deconstructing the lights, taking each light bulb out at a time and replacing it with a new one until we found the broken connection. And I'll tell you what, I can, I can tell you for sure, the painstaking work that it takes to fix that connection meant that the Christmas tree was never brighter in my eyes once we figured it out. And so I remembered this thing that these electrics work on a circuit that the whole thing probably wasn't broken. I just somehow had missed the connection and I fixed the outlet that had the broken connection and the whole thing turned back on. And so I know that everything seems broken beyond repair and, and I feel like there's that sense in our world right now, especially in the creative world. I just feel it. So I'm really grateful that I got this opportunity to challenge everything, to deconstruct everything, to deconstruct leadership. And I know it's hard to have the optimism to own your place as a creative leader, but I want to encourage you that the whole thing is not irreversibly broken as it seems. We just have a broken connection. I really think that. I believe that if you own your creative leadership, that just like my Christmas tree and just like my house, this whole thing is going to shine brighter than it ever has. Thanks, 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 thanks Adobe for bringing me out to 99U. You guys can go check out 99U at the number 99U, the letter U, dot com. Uh, check out the conference and, and all the goodies there. There's talks and all kinds of jazz. I've been a big fan of 99U since it started 10 years ago. So it was super cool to actually go to see it in person. Thanks for listening. If you're a creative pep talk fan and it's had an impact on you, your creative career, what have you, you can you can support the show in a whole bunch of different ways uh, without even sounding like a fish like I just did. Uh, you can go review the show on iTunes. You can back the podcast financially at patreon.com slash creative pep talk, or you can get some CPT merch at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. You can also access the first 100 episodes of the show and stay up to date when new shows drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for the theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for other tunes. Massive, humongous thanks to Alex Sugg for providing so much great tunes, so many other great tunes for the show, and also editing the show like a champ. This guy is a beast, and I love having him on the team. 
thank you guys for listening. Until next week, stay pepped up. <laughs>